Welcome to the Done Right Podcast. I'm Jordan Staples, and over the past decade and a half, I've been studying how people live successful and satisfying lives, both in and outside of work. And here's what I've learned. People in the workforce who are successful and satisfied are the ones that show up, pitch in, and make an impact in their companies. They are the ones who know how to get stuff done, but do it right. So our mission for this podcast is to deliver insight and inspiration to fuel the way you show up at work today. We are here, Workfront Headquarters, back with Dr. Trish Gorman uh, on our strategic leadership series. We're so excited to have you back. Uh, We've had some great conversations so far. What I want to do today, our episode is going to be focusing on a specific role of a strategic leader, and that is to navigate the unknown. But let's get people caught up. So let's give them a little bit of intro to you Mm -hmm. and a little bit about what we mean by strategic leader, and then we'll really dig into this concept of navigating the unknown. Great. Thank you, um, and thank you for having me. It's great to be back here at Workfront. Um, I'm Trish Gorman, and I've spent part of my life being a consultant, part of my life trying to manage people and run organizations, and a large portion of my life studying as an academic and teaching, trying to help other people build skills around how do you motivate others to take risky actions under time constraints when things are really uncertain. And it's a personal fascination of mine, and the last few years I've been very fortunate to be at the Goff Strategic Leadership Center at the Eccles School at the University of Utah, where our mission is to help people understand strategic leadership and to build the skills that help them to engage with and motivate and lead others to create value. That's awesome. Now, this is why, if you guys uh, haven't Mm -hmm. checked out the previous episodes, we've got one just about that topic of strategic leadership, what that is. Uh, And then we also dig into this principle around strategic leadership, uh, specifically the role of uh, enabling and supporting shared success is what we've hit on so far. So uh, excited to jump into navigating the unknown. So when we think about uh, a strategic leader's role and navigating the unknown, Trish, I was telling you this off air, I love the unknown. Like I, I love uncertainty. I love ambiguity. It's, it's, it's where I thrive. I mean, maybe you know, I certainly have room to improve. I guess, but it's, it's a place that's comfortable for me because I like to problem solve in that context. Mm-hmm. My team is not a huge fan. Mm-hmm. So you're my coach. Well, let's say for a minute. <laughs> um, let's help me understand when we talk about navigating the unknown. What, what do I need to understand about that? Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, but it's also a very common situation where you have some people who are already in this, what we call the strategic leadership mindset, which is as opposed to avoiding uncertainty, you embrace it. You go towards the problems. You don't run away from them because where there are problems, there are opportunities. And where there is risk, there is potential reward. But everyone doesn't want to live that way. Everyone hasn't had positive experiences. Some people have run towards uncertainty and, you know, received a trouncing because they they couldn't really make meaning of it or they couldn't navigate it in a successful way. Um, and others just have never really tried it um, and have had great success in doing things that they understand exactly how to do and uh, want to reinforce that wonderful feeling of mastery of something you, you know mm-hmm. how to do. Yeah. Um, so, so there's two things here. One is your role as the leader of a team that may or may not want to 
head off in uncertain directions or be open-minded and realistic about the uncertainties we face, all of us face in our, in our jobs going forward. Um, and the other is, is helping others kind of convert over to, to where you are, shift their mindset and adapt this sort of growth-oriented, option-oriented mindset. And both of those are probably too much for today's segment, <laughs> but, um, but we'll start to, to get into it. Um, certainly, the idea to make the clear linkage for your team that where the biggest glory lies, where the biggest value lies, where the biggest opportunity lies are also where the biggest uncertainties are mm. is a fundamental um, and, and very basic way that you can communicate with them. And, and that depends on your area, being able to show that, you know, the toughest um, client that no one thought you guys could could uh, could land actually forced you to up your game, change some of your software, and then and I'm making this right, up, right. but you know forced you to 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 change and, and adapt in in some difficult ways, but had huge payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into an area that was less known to your company or you personally or your team, whether that's a geography, a product technology, um, showing that that actually is where the payoff is and where the personal and professional value is. The personal value in terms of learning, challenge, engagement, and the professional value in terms of uh, results, output, and value capture, right? Mm-hmm. So I um, I think a lot of us, and maybe and this is because I'm in the tech industry, we, we think of uh, the unknown as it relates to maybe those that are on, wanting to be on the bleeding edge of of innovation and and those that want to uh, change the world and and really challenge the status quo constantly, and it's this um, early adopter sort of innovator end of the bell curve. Uh, tell me in your mind, with leadership, uh, how much of our job is navigating the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really say all of your job, because if if it's obvious, then it either can be delegated or it can be routinized. It can be automated. programmed, automated. Yeah. Exactly. So if you know if you know how to do something, you should pretty easily in today's world, and again, define easily depending on your industry and your company and yourself, but either bring it to a level where uh, someone who's less experienced can do it or program it. Mm. Um, the, the jobs that you want to be aspiring to do where the value lies are in the unknown. And again, we say unknown and leave that wide open. Okay? So there's uncertainty. And we know there are different levels of uncertainty. Sometimes you know something's going to happen. You just don't know when. Sometimes you don't know, you know if it'll happen or how big it'll be when it happens. Those are different dimensions and mm-hmm. you, can, you can use different tools. In fact, there's some fantastic work that's been done on breaking down uncertainty. There's other ways to think about risk. And one of the biggest things that I find that strategic leaders um, who are powerful do is they don't just think about risk in terms of financial risk or economic risk. They think about career risk for their team. Okay? Mm. They think about reputation risk. They think about a, a number of the other types of risk that may be the blockage. So, and, and again, can I help someone else on my team and um, manage the fallout if if their foray into the unknown doesn't pan mm-hmm. out? Mm-hmm. Do I help to still support them, or is it a career-ending kind of a experience? And a lot of times you're hearing now people talk about um, embracing failure 
or um, having a culture that learns from failure, even just saying the F word, you know. <laughs> um, and sometimes the culture of the organization is you can't really admit that your project wasn't a grand success. And so then how are you going to actually help share the learning from, you know, your trial and error? So there are some things that are not that scary that are about how do you navigate the unknown? Well, try something, figure out how it went, play back, you know, what you did and how far it got you along the path to value, and then either continue along that path, maybe with, you know, a bigger team or a different approach, or backtrack and, and take a different path. You might you call it pivot, I think, a lot of times when you discuss it. Yeah, so on your guys' – well, the content – excuse me, the content you sent me over, I'm going to read uh, the excerpt from it where you guys def- define navigating the unknown because I thought it was really interesting. And this is – these are some mm-hmm. topics that we hit on uh, in the podcast um, in some previous episodes and some we'll hit in the future. But navigating the unknown, strategic leaders embrace rather than avoid uncertainty. They understand that value can only be created when certain risks are accepted. So we've kind of hit on that. What's interesting is that um, – as you guys have defined this principle and really how it's about like how an individual can impact a team organization, there's this element of in working with others, they make meaning. These strategic leaders, they make meaning, set priorities and help others see around the next corner. Hmm. So let's dig into that a little bit where as a strategic leader, what do you mean by they make meaning mm-hmm. um, as they navigate the unknown? Well, all of us, whether we realize it or not, are always taking in signals and cues and converting that data we get into what we think of as information, knowledge, wisdom, or insights. Mm -hmm. And strategic leaders are able to be self-aware of that process in themselves and then help guide other people there. So Mm -hmm. early in my career, I actually worked at at an aggregates factory, okay? And it's uh, you dig gravel and stone out of the ground and you make wonderful things like paving stones and you... Uh, do road beds and road construction. So this was early days. But every time we had a, a team meeting, the CEO would ask what all the different team members had observed in the marketplace. And of course, you know, I'm young and I kind of, you know, dozed off during this part because why would we care what the competitors were doing? Mm-hmm. You know, we care, in my mind, back then, I thought, what are we doing? And how much have we sold? And what do we need to do next? Um, so I was definitely out of the I and into the we, but I wasn't thinking about the competitive landscape at that point. But this particular leader um, wanted to hear what was going on in the marketplace. And pretty specifically, you know, who won this road bid, who was pulling out inventory more quickly from the ground, and who was leaving theirs lie and, and not extracting a lot this year. And he was able to then make meaning from those signals to say, oh, it looks like these guys are bidding low on the big contracts this year. These other guys are getting poised to make a couple acquisitions. They're trying to drive down prices so that they can pick up some assets cheap. He would say these things, and it would be totally like he was speaking a different language to me. I would say, how do you know from these these bids and these these different tidbits that the people bring you from the field, how do you make these these grand um, statements about, oh, clearly this is happening. Well, I couldn't make that meaning because I didn't have the industry expertise. I couldn't put the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, but that's where your own problem-solving ability and awareness of your own industry expertise or domain expertise and functional expertise and subject matter expertise all come together to be able to say, ah, I'm connecting the dots. And often the strategic leaders also not just connecting today's dots – 
to say, oh, I can see how this week's going to play out in our bids at the aggregate company or right. whatever. But to say, and that's where we say seeing around uh, corners. And actually, a good friend of mine, Rita McGrath, has a new book coming out just about seeing around corners. Mm-hmm. So it's so important right now to know, and Jack Welsh always talked about it, mm-hmm. not what's directly ahead, but the idea that you're walking down a dark alleyway and someone's going to jump out and it might be a new competitor, or you turn a corner and suddenly what you think is an alleyway opens up into a broad field of flowers, you don't know what's around that next corner. But if you can hear the faint signals, if you listen to other experts, if you're always gathering and moving from data to information to knowledge to wisdom to insights, then you know, you're really helping your team. Because you don't expect the, the young Trish Gorman sitting at the aggregates meeting to figure out any pattern. Mm-hmm. But if you can then tr- uh, sort of communicate the vision of what you see, then I can do my job better, even if I don't have that vision that my leader has. That's really interesting because, you know, kind of the simplified um, version of that is, you know, when you think about like seeing around the corner, there is, you know, so Workfront's a tech company. And uh, so there's seeing around the corner of what good tech companies are doing. Uh, they're seeing around the corner of, of, uh, of work management in that industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're seeing around the corner for my team, which is the whole world of leadership development, learning and development, enablement, you know, all of, mm-hmm. all of that, and, and putting it all together. Because, okay. because the, the thing I think is interesting about this is that this is not a solo exercise. This is m- very much about... I mean, it's almost this theme as we've been talking about storytelling. Mm-hmm. But like, like you have to. What I'm, what I'm gathering, even just as much as we've talked about strategic leadership, is that, and we actually talked about this in another episode. But this is really providing, I think, some meat to it. Is that storytelling is, it's your job as a leader, and okay. and like because you've got to, you've got to tell stories that matter and make sense to stakeholders, team members, and whatever. And that's that's you essentially. Uh, processing the data, like you're saying, the mm-hmm. signals that are coming in and, and, and even just interpreting the actions that you're taking mm-hmm. so that people understand what was, what is, and, and what's coming down the road. Right, right. And telling stories opens up rather than just stating facts. So if we were able to say that in the future, no one will listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. everyone will have a chip embedded in their brain and they'll already know everything they need to know, mm-hmm. that might end up being true, Okay. Um, but where it becomes interesting and a source of value creation is when you say, okay, that's like opening your book at the last page and seeing, okay, they caught the criminal. Mm-hmm. Okay, Does that mean don't bother reading the book? No. The interesting bit is between now when we have podcasts and later when we don't have podcasts, where's their value to be created? Okay, how can you be sort of a step ahead or I often in my classes I talk a lot about the strategic leader as a time traveler and I literally do this little thing where I pretend I get in my time machine and I walk to the other end of the room and then I say now I'm in the future Mm. okay and it's really hokey Mm -hmm. but people kind of follow me there and I say now it's 2040 we're not in this classroom at the University of Utah anymore you know I'm an avatar and you're viewing me (laughs) through some you know much better version of Google Glass or Mm -hmm. something else is happening here and what are we talking about? And why are we talking about it? And actually, stop a minute. And as you say, it's, it's multiple dimensions. You're not you sitting here now. You're you of 2040. So where are you 21 mm. years from now in your career? And, and who are you? And what kind of power do you have? And what, kind, what motivates you now? Well, it's like the cliche example of Netflix and Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Netflix yep. was having those, theoretically, was having mm-hmm. those conversations because they went from... 
you know, I think sending out DVDs, mm-hmm. you know, via mail to their online platform. Yep. Um, even Redbox, you know, they were they were mm-hmm. thinking ahead and and how right. they approach things. Right. And meanwhile, Blockbuster was saying, "Boy, isn't it great to get all these fees from late returns?" Yeah, they're thinking about so, like, "Hey, real estate. Let's go and invest more in real estate and right. build that out versus right. you know the technology." And we can learn a lot from companies who got leapfrogged or who were forced mm-hmm. out. But um, and there, but there's also a lot of techniques you can do future thinking, roll back to future. You can do scenario planning, even though it sounds. Uh, it is a, an old tool. It's a really valuable tool. What are the key uncertainties that might disrupt your industry, might change your life, might create new veins of opportunity and new paths to value, and you know, should you pursue them? Mm-hmm. Because the other thing is, even if you knew that streaming video was you know, a new path to value, were you willing to walk away from the gold mine that was Blockbuster at the time? Right. And the brand. You're not going to walk into Netflix Mm -hmm. who invests $8 billion in their content Mm -hmm. the next day because you know that's where you're going. No, but it's really a process. And Mm -hmm. if people would have said that that Netflix or these different companies that were seen as um, distributors would now be creating their own content and that the quality of something that was a Netflix original series would be what it is, you would have laughed. You would have been sitting at NBC laughing. Okay, but even when, and again, it depends where you are in your own life. There's always something new. Even when YouTube came on, and it was really exciting that you know they were posting whatever a million videos a week or mm-hmm. something. I mean, the numbers are crazy now. Um, but what's next? And even the big established players, um, sometimes they're they're more subject to attack, but they also have more resources mm-hmm. with which to move forward. But if you're a player in this game, you have to decide where do you want to play? Do you want to tell the story? Do you want to tell the story over and over and over till everyone in your organization gets it? So um, I had a chance to work with Jack Welsh for a while. And he, at, at uh, GE, you know, he would say the same thing over and over and over. What he wanted to be able to do was to, as he used to say, you know, wake someone up at two o'clock in the morning and ask him a question and everyone would get the same <laughs> answer. You know, you, you had to really know what was our priority, what was our strategy, what are we doing? Um, that comes from repetition, but then you get tired of hearing yourself talk. Many of the senior leaders that I've talked to who are really strategic leaders have, have sound bites, and you can be really dismissive of that and just say, well, he's saying the same thing. Well, a lot of people are hearing it for the first time, and a lot of people are understanding it and contextualizing it for the first time. And just like with stories, sometimes you want to hear that same story over and over again until you really can feel that whether it's the hero's journey mm-hmm. you know, to achieve mm-hmm. the impossible or whether it's just the now I know where I am and what my right next step is, to use your language. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really interesting. So here's – okay, so here's my, my next question, and that is um, – what if I'm in a leadership role and my followers disagree, right? Like they've like – with the way I've decided to navigate forward um, and we're telling that story. But, you know, I know that sometimes even loyal teams don't agree mm-hmm. um, on, on what to do and whether to do anything when there is insufficient evidence or, or a lot of uncertainty. So kind of what's, what's the right way to approach your role as a leader when, when that mm-hmm. sort of uh, – Feet dragging is happening. <laughs> well, I'd say the very first thing is to recognize it. So if you know it's happening, you're mm-hmm. ahead of the game because the worst situations like this are where you get um, on the surface, you get agreement and buy in, you think, 
but then you get dragging of the feet, sabotage, you mm-hmm. know, dispersion of efforts. Um, so let's assume that your followers are, are verbally, vocally disagreeing with you. That's a gift right? because that allows you to do a number of things. You can, you can decide to formally say, okay, let's do a red team, blue team, you know, prove you've got a better answer than I do. Um, or you can get every brain in the game and try to get more people to say, why don't you agree? Maybe they have information you don't have. Maybe they're interpreting it through a lens you don't have access to. So it could be that this is great and you say, thank you. You've either made me more certain of my position by, you know, mm-hmm. letting me stress test it. Mm-hmm. Or you've helped me to move off my position and improved where I am because you've brought new information. But there's an assumption here that there's a functioning culture and a team spirit that allows you to fight about it today, but then when a decision is made, they're going to get on on board. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that's really difficult. Um, So you might need to give people an off-ramp. You might need to say, you know, if you really don't think this is the direction we're going, we've still got some people doing other things or going other directions. Some companies actually go ahead and let different teams follow different paths for a while, not, you know, to create billion-dollar businesses, but you know, go through a few stage gates, just as though your your group is managing sort of a VC portfolio, a venture capital portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you could say to these folks, okay, I'll give you, you know, six weeks and $25,000. Go ahead on your path. And then let's mm-hmm. meet up again and show me how far you got. If it's that kind of a problem. Sure. You know, I, I actually think my, my uh, way of designing this product is better than yours, or I think my pitch to the clients is going to work better than yours. Is there an experiment, that, a controlled experiment that you can do so everybody learns? So every time someone disagrees, it's really hard to get your ego out of the way because your first impulse is to just say, come on, don't you know I'm right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, or don't waste my time, or we've already been through this already. And if you have, there is a time when dialogue's over and it's time to act. Yep. But there's a number of things that you can embed in the way you work with others that, and again, it's making meaning. Instead of saying, I'm right, you're wrong, you're saying, that's interesting. Um, you know, have we really investigated thoroughly? Or is it time to do more analysis or is it time to do an experiment or is it time to just decide and act? And I think in most cases, the respect that comes with being really open about there's times, and not to seem schizophrenic, that the, the problem I do see with some folks, and you had asked for coaching before, mm-hmm. is um, one day they're asking for input and they're really, you know, casual about it and saying, oh, I'm okay to be wrong. And the next meeting they're rigid and they're, they're you know, I've decided and please stop the yeah. you know, discussions over. The team is like, yeah. who <laughs> is showing up today? Right, yeah. right. And, and, and you can – and some people it is, you know, on a Friday. Always go in with your ask on a Friday afternoon because he just <laughs> wants to say yes and get out. Yeah. Um, but the reality is we – we have a broad repertoire of strategic leadership skills and our ability to be flexible or to be rigid, our ability to be inclusive or autocratic. None of those is in itself bad. It's just bad if you do it at the wrong time in the wrong place. So let me ask then this, what, is, what are the things, the traps we need to avoid as we're navigating the unknown? Well, one is getting into the I instead of the we. So we've talked before in some of these podcasts about stakeholders and your team. So part of it is really checking your ego. Are you doing this in some way because it was your idea or because you have some other uh, fear or motivation other than the value for the group? And that's just really being self-aware and honest and taking ownership for your own feelings and actions. Um, so making sure you're really in the we, us mindset. Second is checking your assumptions. 
And maybe they were really right yesterday, but has anything changed? Um, and checking your biases, debiasing as much as you can. And if those are things that you're not familiar with doing, there's ways to learn how to do those things. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's just saying, um, how sure am I? And am I using outdated information? Am I only seeing the world I want to see? So mm-hmm. some of the traps are, we see what we want to see. We would use confirmation bias, which is saying, I already think that... Uh, I already think that women never get the plum jobs, so I'll just focus in on the times when they didn't get the plum jobs instead of the times they did. Confirmation bias, it it affects all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third thing, so after making sure you're in the we-us mindset and you're checking your assumptions and updating and and being willing to to change your mind, is really listening. Some of that dissent you hear is um, because people have a different point of view, some because they have a different set of facts. And we'd like to believe that two intelligent people given the same information will make the same decision, but that actually is not always true. Um, so it's really listening for what's, what's in the mix. Is it ambition or fear? Is it a better way? Is it a different model of the world? So if we're talking about Netflix and Blockbuster, if you're living in a, you know, we have a physical product and I'm living in a world where we have a digital stream, we're not going to agree on everything right off the bat until we understand what we agree to disagree about. Mm-hmm. If for a long time I was fully convinced that higher education was going to yield to online modality and we'd be doing a lot more online There's learning. There's a lot of that, yeah. Oh, my first online learning I think was in, I want to say, 1991, you know, with something I was doing for maybe Wharton way back when. Mm-hmm. And we were we were – we called it distance learning, and it was a dial-up modem. It was a glorified conference call. Mm-hmm. But we were sure we were you know, right around the next corner to talk about <laughs> what was seen around corners. Right mm-hmm. around the next corner was online learning and mm-hmm. um, really underestimated the institutional inertia and a lot of the reasons why people actually like to learn in groups in a mm-hmm. physical space and mm-hmm. some other things. So anyway, so being wrong and learning from it is vitally important. But the traps are really, you know, reinforcing your own biases, failing to check your assumptions, and letting your ego get in the way. Okay, so two last questions. One is, um, what if you're wrong? Like, not that I ever have any experience Mm -hmm. of being wrong, Mm -hmm. but uh, we all do. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, when you need to change your mind and go a different direction, how, how should leaders be approaching that? One is expect to be wrong. I think a lot of us who did really well in grade school and in, even in college or whatever your experience you had, sports it's or anything else. That embracing failure thing you were saying yeah, earlier. It's yeah, it's expect to be wrong. The, I was – I told you I was watching Wimbledon recently and, um, you know, Roger Federer double faulted, I don't know, maybe five times in the match. But mm-hmm. I, I remember they put the stat up and I thought, OK, next time I double fault in the match, instead of getting really angry at myself that I should <laughs> never double fault, I have to remind myself that even – Roger Federer double faults. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wayne Gretzky, one of the best hockey players of all time, used to say, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. So it's saying, I tried my best. It's accepting a certain rate of, of failure or, or misses. And just try to be closer to the goal next time. Try to, be, um, try to make a better designed experiment next time. So it's it's learning from the failure. It's accepting yourself. And normalizing it. Yeah. yeah. And, but also not letting yourself get lazy and sloppy mm-hmm. because we do see some places and people, and it's human nature, if you know failure is accepted, sometimes you don't put in your best effort or you don't – you figure, I'm going to have another few tries. So there's this delicate balance between your really best effort to get everything mm-hmm. done and 
the the trade-offs you might make to say, well, this time, um, you know, it's not um, that sometimes I try and sometimes I fail. It's sometimes I try and sometimes I learn. Mm-hmm. And it's figuring out how to share that learning, um, find out who's been down the path before you, mm-hmm. and don't reinvent the wheel. I know all these things sound so cliche, but they're just so useful. Totally. And I think when we get into the episodes um, where we talk about the goal principles, right, it's kind of that forward thinking, forward driving sort of yeah. uh, approach, you know, mitigates, I think, some of the yeah. almost learned helplessness, if I can use that term. It's a great term because right. yeah, if, if you know you're moving towards something, mm-hmm. um, it's the idea that if everybody who um, tried to sing and said, oh, I'm a terrible singer. They try to sing a song next to, especially next to somebody who's a top recording artist, and they mm-hmm. say, I'm a terrible singer, as opposed to saying, oh, today I don't sound very good, mm-hmm. but could I develop my vocal skills? And we send people out into business, and maybe they're learning to sell, or they're learning to code, or they're learning to to lead, and you can't expect to be great at it the first, the first time you try it. Um, all you can expect is that you're going to get better every day. Yeah. So last question, what would you like to see from our listeners each every day, whether it's or the next maybe couple of weeks, uh, see them do to improve their ability to lead uh, in this important way? Um, I would pick, um, pick out something if you would go along with me, try this. In the next three or four or five days, find, find something you think that is absolutely crazy, insane, or stupid going on in your organization or in your broader ecosystem, okay? Some supplier is selling something at a crazy price or giving something away for free. Somebody is hiring people who don't seem qualified. When you have that (laughs) moment where you say, what are they doing? They're idiots. Um, Is he crazy? Then add a piece and say, is he crazy or am I wrong? Is there something about the way I'm looking at the world? You know, why is everyone piling onto this IPO and raising this company up to a $8 billion valuation? You can close the newspaper or close the browser and say, "Um, that's stupid. Those people are stupid. Or you can stop and say, huh, maybe I'm wrong. And that will help you with this navigating uncertainty. That's a part of this embracing the unknown is allowing yourself to say, wow, maybe my whole worldview is wrong. I remember being um, in Japan and students, young students, had phones or they had something that I didn't even call a phone, and they were texting things, which now I know what texting is, but they were pushing little buttons and looking down instead of talking to each other, and I thought, oh, how stupid. I really hope this fad doesn't last very long. (laughs) And if I would have used this little thing of just saying to myself, they're doing something that doesn't make sense at all to me, don't just close my mind to it, investigate it, open up, find out more about it. Boy, if I would have realized how great and important texting was going to be back then, and I can say that about so many other things, <laughs> it's having that open mind. And when you think something doesn't make sense to you, take the next step to figure out, uh, are they crazy or are you wrong? That's great. Thanks, Trish. Thanks for your insight, your experience, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find more information about the topic and continue the conversation at donerightpodcast.org. The Done Right Podcast is hosted by me, Jordan Staples. The show is produced by Workfront. Our team includes Jeremy Tippett and Mark Hansen. 
Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. It helps other people find us. See you next time. <laughs>